0: Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to the Home Education Matters podcast, the podcast that aims to answer all your home education questions. You're here with Diane today. And today I'm here with Chris, who's gonna to talk to us a little bit about what he does. And he is joined by Dorothy, who may or may not want to want to speak, but she is here in the room with us. So Chris, hi, thanks very much for coming on.
1: No, thank you for having me. I can, yeah, talk about this stuff all the time. So, so yeah, give any give chance us a I little, get through my mouth, I'm more than happy. <laughs>
0: us a little introduction to to you and what you do
1: okay so i'm chris and i'm a home ed dad for three uh ranging between 10 and four we've home edited since uh since our honeymoon um we had that conversation should have really had the conversation about how strongly we felt about it before getting married but on the honeymoon we had the conversation so we we home edited from the very start with ours um
0: so do do you mean so yeah
1: yeah yeah we we sat down in a in a pizza express and and kind of like both let out our frustrations with the with the education system and stuff like that and we both went yeah if we have kids let's just kind of home ed let's do that thing
0: (laughs) oh that's great isn't it that you're both kind of on the same page with that
1: yeah it's lucky really yeah we, we we are lucky and the, and the girls have really taken to it as well. And we come from Plymouth down in Devon and there is a very, very strong and active home ed community. I mean, we're in a place where you could do four or five activities a day, every day of the week and still have more things to choose from. So we, we know we're lucky um, and the community themselves are just amazing there are there are some individuals who just put so much work into it and then other individuals who just keep it all going and yeah it, it it's a nice nice big community down here isn't it dorothy yeah
0: <laughs> dorothy's nodding there <laughs> yeah that's great makes such a difference doesn't it people kind of feeling that they have a sense of community and not feeling terribly isolated
1: yeah um, i mean us ourselves so from from the family side of things, we um I'm a big geek, massive nerd, <laughs> and I love games and board games and always been interested in how how positive board games and games can be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted to use Dungeons and Dragons with my girls, but assumed at the age, this is about four years ago, so Dorothy would have been six, that it would be too early for her. I put it out there to the community and we had a really positive feedback. So this was four years ago, pre-COVID. And I was going through the post yesterday actually, and, and all these people jumping up going, oh yeah, we'd love to do it. And that'd be a brilliant idea. And it started and I started running one game and then it became two games in a day. And then I went off to university as a mature student Went and did my degree in special educational needs and disability and was working one day a week in a care home, basically working one day a week, delivering uh, role-playing games for kids and seeing more and more how positive it is for both academic achievement and for inclusion for SEND.
2: Yeah.
1: And I decided, well, I can just, The, the parents love it they would be happy to pay for these sessions. I will become a professional dungeon master and (laughs) started doing that and dropped my one day a week at a care home. And I was doing my university degree and we started running two, three, four. And now we've got an office in a community center and we're running, I think we're up to 11 games a week now, um, home ed based there's two dms and then we have a bunch of people who are kind of on zero hours contracts which we get in for when we do our holiday camps and the half terms and yeah we've kind of this is this is our our growth we use dungeons and dragons for education that's that's kind of our thing
0: so i've got to ask is dungeon master an official title (laughs)
1: unfortunately yes this is something we can't get away from um getting into it so i don't know if if you if you have any any like real aficionados who are going to listen to this podcast or where it gets out there so um just to kind of wave my geek flag i do know that the the differences like different systems have different names dungeon master game master storyteller uh originally they were called referees when the guy who originally created well co-created the game um the, the position was known as a referee and then it became dungeon master. And that was cool for a while until um obviously the, there's connotations that, that some people might see that word. and <laughs> Yeah, and go, oh, absolutely. Okay. That's like, what's
0: in my this, head.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I've kind of become more comfortable using it because the community are getting used to what it is we do. And that's been one of the biggest um difficulties is is explaining to people who have absolutely no idea what a role-playing game is uh, uh, and what it is we're doing. They know that the kids love it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they know that there are all these elements. We've We've produced a three-page Word document on all the learning outcomes that can be achieved through Dungeons & Dragons um that's something that we're very slowly working on the website at the moment and that'll be something that will be available and up just for people to have um we know we fully understand the the struggles that that can happen with like the la and stuff like that and things and when you need to evidence stuff so Mm -hmm. if you if you need a little help then we've got we've got some documentation and you can kind of crib off that and, and steal some bits and pieces if you need to um but it's kind of explaining what What is a role-playing game? What is Dungeons & Dragons? And why it is positive? And that's that I found really hard. The best way I've managed to sum it up so far is it's a collaborative storytelling experience Mm. that uses Mm. maths to decide the outcomes of what people want to try and do.
0: Yeah, okay. So I think... Needs for me definitely some unpicking. So your 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 business is called Character Creation Role Playing. So that's where kind of people can can look you up, and that's where people can find you. Is it is it your private business or is it what status does it have?
1: We are a CIC, so that's a Community Interest Company. Right. We are. Um, I'm I'm I like, deep down at heart, I, uh, I am a full flag-waving communist and would do whatever I can to just live on a bit of land and exist. That would be my dream. Right. Um, so we, we really don't, we, we're not... We're not after money and stuff like that. So everything that we make, as long as I've got a roof over my children's heads and we're able to eat, mm. then everything goes back into expanding the business. And we do so many other elements to it. Like right this moment while we're recording this upstairs in the community center, we are running a uh, a board games day and that's completely free for everyone to come. We've invested in over 300. Well, I think we're seven games away from reaching 300 board games in our library and we host that all day and people come in and they play board games and we just have a real community atmosphere going on. So we do that. We also have 300 litres of loose Lego that we use for building and we have 50 Lego sets. So when we do a Lego experience, The kids can either choose to to follow the instructions and build the set or they can just free build and have a challenge or, or those kind of things. So as a company, we try and we've really kind of spread out for using toys and games for education, therapy and community building. That's our that's our elevator pitch. And that's what we do. But the main focus, because it's so popular and takes up so much of our time, is the Dungeons and Dragons.
0: yeah. And your ethos actually comes through really strongly just by talking to you about how um, yeah, how much part of the community you are and how helpful you're being and how inclusive you're being. That comes through really, really strongly. So for the One uninitiated... of the projects that we're working on... Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I was just following that up. Um, but one of the projects we're working on is to produce a, a document that anyone with no experience at all can download for free get all of the resources for free and start running dungeons and dragons at home
2: okay
1: um we would absolutely love if people were able to do this um just small groups family groups things like that there is material from the people who make dungeons and dragons wizards of the coast you can download for free um and that Gives you the very basics in the start and we're working on that document, which will run over about six or seven sessions, depending on how long your sessions are. And it will take everybody around the table from knowing absolutely nothing to having level five characters that you know what you're doing and you're able to really kind of delve into what element you enjoy the most about D&D.
0: Yeah, so I guess that leads me to my next question. So I'm a completely uninitiated person about this. So I am a complete, I'm not geeky at all, um, and really have no sense of Dungeons and Dragons apart from perhaps, you know, what's portrayed in films or, you know, um, yeah, kind of, you know, what I've sort of seen in the media maybe. So is there a brief kind of way of just sort of summarising what Dungeons and Dragons actually is?
1: Oh yeah, we, we can we can delve into it. Uh, maybe we can start, Dorothy, what is Dungeons and Dragons?
2: Um...
1: No? No. got nothing? <laughs> oh, okay. Normally, normally you're just just talking as much as Daddy does, and we get a mic in front of you, and we don't know
0: what happens.
1: Right? Okay. So, um, okay. Imagine it like a book. Okay. So the the adventure you're going to go on is is like a book. Now, the the dungeon master, the games master, the person who's running and facilitating the session, they're they're kind of coming up with the main plot. They're gonna go right. We're gonna start, we're gonna start chapter one. We're gonna go here. This is gonna be our main antagonist. And I wanna kind of get to the ending being about this.
0: Okay.
2: But
1: then you get in a group of other writers to come in and go, right, okay, so I'm gonna write for this voice and this character, and then someone else says, Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this as well. And then you sit down and you write the first chapter, and that's your first session. And then at the end of that. The, the lead author kind of goes, right, okay, well, they, they've killed off my my main protagonist already. Um, they, they've completely ignored all the clues. Um, and now they want to go shopping. So the next chapter just becomes a whole chapter about them shopping. And then you can drop stuff in and you can evolve it and move it around and stuff like that. And it's completely open world. So everyone can work together to do whatever they want. And that's really what it is. Every player has a character sheet and we have some set rules that we have to adhere to.
2: Okay.
1: And um, say that um, the evil goblin is attacking the party with a bow and arrow. You could choose to run up to him in your suit of armor and brandishing your your great axe swipe at the goblin so you would roll a 20-sided dice you would end, then add your to hit modifier to it so you then you add them up you tell the dm and then he compares that to the monster's armor class if it meets it or beats the armor class then they then get to roll their damage dice and that, that depends on what weapon you're using and then you add your modifier for your strength um and then you say right well i've i've done eight damage to the goblin and then the the dungeon master then compares that and and says whether you've defeated the goblin or whether the goblin's still got hit points left
2: Ah, okay. and
1: that goes through and everyone gets a turn um and the goblin will do the same thing or you can choose to fight at a distance or you can be the person who heals the party and that's just the combat and that's just the mechanics of the of um of, of the dice rolling there's also all the social interactions so you could have a scene which is entirely about you've been invited to court and the, the king is there and he's he's paranoid and takes you to one side and says, I know there's someone here who's, who's feeding information to our, our counterparts in, in another region. Find out who it is. So the entire session is, is the group walking around this majestic court trying to talk to as many people as possible to pick apart the threads of intrigue that are happening and discover who is passing secrets to the the spy master from another kingdom um and you can go the completely different sides of things there you've got high-end combat or you've got high-end uh social interaction and engagement and you can mix it in between so is that making any kind of sense to you
0: yeah some of it went a bit over my head it has has to be said but I kind of think I get the gist is this something that is done in person or online or a bit of both
1: so I I am fortunate enough to be able to be picky on on how I deliver my sessions mm-hmm. there are enough uh, um there are enough home ed children who want to play that I can say all of my games are in person ah. I am pretty sure that I could double or triple how many hours that I work delivering it online yeah as a personal preference I like the physical interaction because they, you get so much more from the game when you're looking across the table at another player.
2: Okay.
1: During lockdown, I ran games where all the kids were over Zoom and it worked, but also there was a lot of playing computer games on the side uh. and not as much engagement because sometimes the 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 sessions can get drawn out when there's a big battle happening and there's lots of moving parts and things like that um you can run a game with three people and a scrap of paper and the character sheets or you can run a game for eight people using um online software that you have these intricate maps that you can purchase with with animated um pieces that move around these maps and, and all these kind of things it is a game of you it, you fit it to how you want to deliver the game and how it's best responded by your players
0: yeah no that makes that makes sense to me um yeah, and I suppose while you were talking, what I was aware of is that, I mean, in in my line of work, I use um, role play as well as a way of allowing people to um, inhabit a different kind of internal experience. Um, and of course, that's what kind of actors do, isn't it? They inhabit someone else's internal experience in order to kind of work through some of the issues or some of the emotions that they might be experiencing. And I guess it's got the potential to be really quite powerful.
1: There is a lot of work going on at the moment into um, studies around using role-playing games. There is, there has been for quite a while, the use of the role-play element to, Explore therapy, mm. and yeah, so it can be used as a tool for for a lot of things. But I think one thing that that I am very careful of mm-hmm. is staying away from delving into those things too much because I'm not a trained therapist. Um, yeah. obviously for home ed, the home ed community is such a a vibrant and varying group of people that there might very well be some issues within a group that i would be un- made unaware of and a parent wouldn't even think about talking to me mm. about something that could be triggered so i try very hard to make it a very black and white heroes versus villains <laughs>
2: yeah
1: i also have a um a, a very cut off point at which they can fight things that have a moral consequence so 11 is kind of my my gray area is 11 and then anyone above that they're just playing dnd as it's printed in the books we have some moderations um there's a very very famous dnd campaign called the curse of strad which has seen many reprintings and has been um has been pulled over the coals about a lot of things such as um the representation of romani culture
2: uh-huh. that was
1: something that caused them to have to make a uh, a reprint but they kept in a lot of stuff that is very uh triggering for people who um who may have issues with abusive relationships stuff like that yeah. So that's one that I we don't run because it's you've got to really know the ins and outs of a of a very thick campaign book to be able to know when you're going to turn around a corner and you're going to read something out and then it's going to be like oh wow okay that's an issue. But everything else is, re- is we deliver as printed. They fight the goblins, they fight the evil bandits. Um, there might be a grey area with a wizard and stuff like that <laughs> below eleven. Everything they face is animated suits of armour and uh, stone monsters that have no communication. Um, Gelatinous cubes, these big blobs of things that um, they just are reactionary to their environment and they eat things uh, by swallowing them whole and just digesting them over months and years. So I try and keep all of those kind of moral grey areas until they're much older.
0: Okay. That yeah. So makes there's... any
1: kind of sense?
0: Yeah. So there's something about navigating some moral dilemma type work for the slightly older kids.
1: Yeah. And then that can be delved in as much as you want it to. Um one of the one of the things that I love about role-playing games is uh the kind of soft skills that you pick up mm. and oracy as well so the spoken or the non-written side of the english language or any language really mm. and how you can use dnd to really show people how different communication styles can be interpreted by different people so in one scene you're talking to the the prince who who expects the players to curtail and say, thank you, sir. Because if they don't, he's going to get offended and they're going to be stuck to uh, spend a night in the, in the jail. And then the next scene, they're talking to the farmers who have a goblin issue and they look up to them like they're absolute heroes and they couldn't do anything wrong whatsoever. And how, how the, how you need to talk differently differently to different people because they respond better if you speak their language if you communicate in their way
0: yeah and that's such an important um thing for kids to learn isn't it and i I guess there are some um cultural nuances about that in terms of you know should we should we um be able to speak as we do and just have people accept us or should we kind of really think about how we need to fit into these different situations in life and adapt our approach accordingly and i think so that's a really interesting um topic i suppose to get into with people
1: yeah well, this is what I um I wrote my dissertation for my degree on was the use of role playing games and and oracy and that's hopefully what I'll be following up with my masters. Oh. So that's... we'll we'll see. Yeah if I get round to getting the application in in time I'll hopefully in <laughs> September be be working on my masters and that'll be that's going to be looking at uh increasing vocabulary using role playing games.
2: Wow. And, yeah
1: that's one of the things that, that you can just tailor fit a game towards if that's your goal then you can quite easily make it work
0: yeah and so do you know anything about um whether Dungeons and Dragons is played in other cultures or using other languages or in kind of slightly different ways to how it is in the UK or the States
1: to be fair no um, I've not really looked at the cultural differences in the use of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, there is, even within the UK, uh, and uh, like, so the, the English-speaking Westworld, so I know it's quite strong in Australia and, and things like that as well. The uh, Dungeons & Dragons itself is one game within the kind of rainbow of role-playing games. And oh. there are some really well-known and well-respected games so to name a few we've got call of cthulhu which is based on lovecraftian horror we've got a vampire the masquerade which is based on modern day horror and that's that's something that i don't run for kids because that is very much you're the bad guys yeah. No matter how good you're trying to be, you're still a blood-sucking vampire, <laughs> and to survive, you need to feed from innocent people. So that's something that we don't we don't run with underage kids, but <laughs> it it's a very well-respected game. There is there is a version where you're a hunter and you go out and hunt these things, which I'm hoping to adapt and change a little bit to make more accessible and kind of like a scooby-doo version of it which would be quite fun where the kids kind of go into a haunted mansion or a carnival or something like that and they've got to unmask who's doing it and things and there's a lot of of cool stuff there that we can do um and then not just that but intellectual properties have role-playing systems so uh star wars star trek my little pony wow um yeah you you name any intellectual property and I'm pretty sure I can find a role playing game in the last 30 or 40 years that that was based on it the the, the they they based it and used that yeah so role playing games themselves can be used for so many different things and dungeons and dragons itself did something very very clever about 10 years ago and they they st- building a game which was built towards mm-hmm. nerds and gamers and they decided to produce a much simpler game and that led to this resurgence oh. and it kind of happened at the same time as things like the Big Bang Theory and comic books starting to yeah. get more of a, uh, a show of movies and all this kind of geek culture started to rise to the surface and people found D&D to be very easy to start. Uh, they came out with the original starter set for, and we're on fifth edition now, so we've had five odd different versions of D&D since it was originally created back in the 70s. Um, and they had the starter set, which had a story called The Lost Minds of Fandelva. And that's so... The first couple of pages of that really take a group of people who have no idea what's going on by the hand and say, right, so you assign someone to a dungeon master and they're going to need to read this, but let's play together. And it tells you what to do and gives you that confidence from the first session to, um, to move forward and to, to, to learn how to play. And it really has pushed Dungeons and Dragons to a, to a peak of pop culture and, and social acceptance uh, we we in Plymouth have I think I think at the last count we're up to something like twenty venues that either stock Dungeons and Dragons material or you can go to to play Dungeons and Dragons, and that includes communities that that pop up in a pub once a week and stuff like that. So that is a lot, and it, it's tailored to fit people. And then obviously those groups then split off and they play, they try out the other games and mm. you get a group of people who are interested in one intellectual property or, or really want to play a game where they're the bad guys. And that's something that you can explore and do.
0: Yeah, I, the the kind of, you know, the the geek culture, as as you refer to it, it's, it's really, really come on strong, hasn't it? And it's really cool now, isn't it? It's really cool to be a geek now.
1: Yeah. Um... I think the Marvel movies and comic books kind of really kind of push that forward, and you see people walking around now with with comic book t shirts just as much as you see football shirts
2: and
0: Absolutely. things like that. Yeah, yeah. And my, my home educated daughter Rosa, she's I think she's definitely in that geek camp. So you were talking about. Oh, we we'll um, have to. We'll have to... <laughs> yeah, I'll bring her along. I think I think she'd love it. I, um,
1: if if you want, um, I am more than happy to run a an online. One shot, if you want, to, if you've got a couple of hours, one afternoon or evening, uh, four to six players, and we wow. can run, we can play D and D. We could record it, and you can put it out as a bonus if you want.
0: Well, wow, that would be great. Yeah, that would be really super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, as you say, like obviously, it's a big part of this, and that sounds like the area that you're really interested in. Um. And yeah, and I think, and that that sounds really important, actually, for these kids who, you know, for you know, we're we're calling them geeks, but for want of a better phrase, these geeky kids who, actually, in in general society, they don't have much of a voice, do they? They're the kids that are the quiet kids, generally, you know.
1: Yeah. Um. The, the, there are so many positive things, but the um, one of the great things that I always quote is no matter how bad a day you're having mental health wise or dealing with any kind of um, like being on the spectrum or anything like that. Even if you can't people that day, you can still turn up to a game and you just hide behind your character sheet. You don't have to interact with anyone as yourself. You just interact as you're, you're playing a part, you're rolling the dice and then you leave and you go home. And you have you've managed to get some social engagement and you've kind of got out of the house and that works for both children and for adults. And I've seen it have a positive mental attitude so many times with with both children and adults It is it's a really powerful and wonderful thing because at the end of the day, you're just playing a game.
0: Yeah, there's something really touching about that, actually, isn't there? That you can just come along and just, as you say, be your character and you don't have to interact in any other way. There's something actually yeah, really quite um, lovely about that, I think.
1: And it's also really inclusive as well, because you can have one, one player who comes to the table and they're, they're, a, they're a gamer and they see their character as a, as a list of numbers on a character sheet and they do the most optimum thing possible and they move around the board and everything's mapped out and they're playing a computer game. And then the person sitting opposite them is more of a a kind of drama kid and they don't care what's optimum. Their character's going to jump up onto the ceiling, (laughs) swing on the chandelier, land on top of the bugbear's head and blind them with their skirt. (laughs) And both of those are valid ways to play the game. And they're both, they can both play at the same time. As long as the DM is is, is able to, to kind of marry up those two elements, the mechanics work exactly the same. Mm. And those two players who socially may not have met and got on, get to spend that time together and you expand your social network and you gain friends who you have these adventures that you went on and you've had these stories and these shared experiences and it enriches your 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 friendship pool and, and your social experiences.
0: Oh yeah, that sounds that sounds really, really lovely. Yeah. So do are the um do the children kind of Volunteer to be the kind of the person in the DM or is that it's that allocated in some kind of way?
1: Uh, so it's it, when I run the games, I run the games. I am the dungeon master and I facilitate the entire the entire right. game. Right. Um, we do run an evening once a week, which was funded by Great Western Railway. Oh. Um, to offer a peer-led session. And that is in the evenings and that's open to the general public and that's under 18s. And they come and they run their own game with us monitoring the content to make sure that uh, nothing happens. Because you are open to a lot of dangerous situations if people aren't aware of what they're doing.
2: Okay,
1: Um, So... One of the one of the character classes is a character called a bard and they are um, they're a charismatic type of person and they use their words and their looks and their personality to to achieve great things. And the kind of the meme, the stereotype that goes around the Internet is that the bard seduces everything. Mm. so once the kids kind of get into the the, the wider world of D and you see all these kind of things and then you get a situation where you've got a 13 year old and another and a 14 year old and the 13 year old right i'm going to seduce the barmaid and then they start role-playing that out and stuff and it can be a little bit on the kind of
2: yeah. ah
1: yeah that's <laughs> yeah um so we kind of we, we put boundaries in and we make sure everyone's following boundaries Yeah, And it takes a lot to be able to to run a game and also to be able to include people. So it's hard sometimes when you've got some players to be able to make sure they have their moment and their time within the game, especially when you have some other players who are a lot more uh, vocal and they're they're very used to commanding a room or a group of people Mm -hmm. and like, you do this and then you do that. Um, And then you kind of as the dungeon master you need to guide that experience and make sure that other people get their chance to kind of well my my opinion is valid and I think this
2: Mm.
1: and I've worked with groups where you start off and the group is very lopsided or even one-sided and then you get someone else and they kind of have a social they they butt heads over words and where the party goes and through guiding them and exploring um having a conversation and a debate they kind of take that on a second nature and i've seen groups go from well we should do this no we should do this and they divide the group and they go no you you should come with with me um to the point at which they're going well i think we should do this because this this and this Mm -hmm. and then the other person turn around and going well I can understand what you're saying and i appreciate that but also have you considered that if we did this then this this and this might happen and they come to a compromise or they go actually you've won me over with that with that debate um yeah i I agree with you
2: like the um make up your own dungeon thing
1: yes making your own dungeons so thank you dorothy um one thing that i do throw in every so often is I will give the players a chance to to be the DM. And what we'll do, we'll spend half a session and they can sit down and they can go through the monster manual and what kind of things do we want to pick out and throw at our players. And they'll sit down with pens and paper and they'll draw a dungeon and stuff like that. And it will start with just one room as part of a dungeon and then move on to uh, full dungeons. And I'm to be honest, some of the stuff that's come out, I'm I'm working on publishing Uh, for free because they've just been so amazing and you take you see who goes first and then that person you take them to one side and go right what have you got what 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 have we got and they kind of come to you with a thing and they go that's cool so what we'll do we'll balance that a little bit and and we'll make sure that you're not going to completely obliterate the party in the first room um let's throw in a trap here what kind of thing do you want to explore should we have a puzzle okay let's have a look at you you want a puzzle so let's look up is it a word puzzle okay so we'll, we'll google some word puzzles and you work very quickly with these players to produce it and you guide them and they sit and they play the monsters and they they say what's going on and yeah that's my style one of the most important things um that that i always stress with people with D is Never let anyone tell you you're playing it wrong. As long as everyone is safe and having fun, you are playing it right. Whether you're following the rules or not, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You're just not following the rules that that other person is following. Um, there, are, there are internet spaces where there will be flaming arguments of the interpretation of a spell and they've had to go to the the people who created this current version on twitter and go look can you settle this because it says this this and this but that doesn't happen so how is this possible and then they will have to wade in and go right this is what we meant by the rule but we can see now that it is interpreted like this so you have rules as written and rules as intended and you can you can um you can interpret the rules. I've been I've just found out that for the past 10 years, I have been doing a certain set of spells wrong. And I I I looked it up and I I, I corrected myself and I've turned around to all of my players and said, Look, I'm really sorry. I've been doing this wrong. Um, so from now on, we're gonna use the right rules. And that's that's one of my big tips to learning to DM is be honest with your players if you're new and go, I don't know everything. And I'm not going to bog down the game by looking up all the rules every time we come up to something. So I'm going to make something up or I'm going to take advice from someone else and then we'll play it like that for today's session. And that'll be my homework will be to go and look up the rule. And then next week I'll come back to you and I'll explain how it works. Um, once you do that, especially with kids, they really respect when you're honest and you go, I don't know everything, um, but I know how to find out mm. everything. Uh, one of the other things we run in our sessions is I have the internet and we have a big screen TV that we can all see. And if something, an interesting topic comes, like the other day it was Pompeii. So we spent like 20 minutes researching Pompeii and finding out about the um the 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 kind of statuesque things of the people that were left and how it's been uncovered and what happened and the vulcan god uh not the vulcan god the, the 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 greek god or the roman god um vulcan and stuff like that and we we kind of looked into it and just kind of showed how to do a little bit of research on a topic that that becomes interesting and that's another element that i fold into what we do
0: yeah, absolutely. And I can hear so many kind of skills that you're helping these kids to develop, you know, this sort of the flexibility of thinking for one, you know, which is really really important, isn't it? And negotiation, leadership. Um you've just talked about research and I know at the beginning you said that w- what you really helpfully do is help um home educated parents realize how um Dungeons and Dragons might map onto some of the more kind of conventional um, lessons and um, expectations of the local authority, for instance. And you talked about maths um, specifically, um, but I'm guessing there are all sorts of things, as you've just described, with thinking about um, Pompeii.
1: Yeah. Um, you can specific one, another thing that like, if I had, if I had all the time in the world, there would be so many projects that would be completed by now. It would be amazing. But one of the things that I really want to do is work with experts in, in certain fields to produce, uh, modules and campaigns. So they're the, they're the things that you play that are pre-written, um, based within historical times, so if you if you were doing a module if you're doing a project on the Romans well here you go here is a module of an adventure that you can take your kids on over so many sessions that they will kind of experience a little bit of what it's like to live in Roman times. Um, that's one of the things that you can you can twist and turn D and D about if you want to address a certain Top. if you want if you're doing the titanic then go and grab a map of the titanic and use that as your um as your giant ship that you want to host it on and then they can go and explore what it's like i never i i never say i'm a teacher because i'm not a qualified teacher Mm. um i haven't done my pgce Mm. um i have a degree in education but that's from uh uh, special education needs and disabilities Mm. side so i don't teach Anything because I think the word teaching is a very loaded thing and can start a very strong debate between people who um who spend a long time academically getting to a position where they can call themselves a teacher. But what I do is I facilitate the opportunity for children to learn and to practice. So the the, the maths that we do in D D isn't isn't very expansive. Mm. But you can make it work. You can put in math puzzles. Um, you can do factions. Um, like the other day, I was watching... Um, we've got a big whiteboard in the middle of our, our gaming space, and it's got a per- per- perspect screen on it, and we can use whiteboard pens to write on it. And they were doing long division because they had... They, they'd achieved so much gold from doing a job, they needed to split between six people. So then they had to divide it by six. And one of the kids was showing another of the kids how to do long division. And those things are just beautiful elements mm-hmm. when those children kind of like, they take the teaching and share it. But one of the great things about D&D is, is the confidence in fast, simple maths. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of children that come to me that won't do any maths or won't do any reading And I'm a little bit mean sometimes. And I'm like, well, if you're not going to tell me, you you can't play. So you roll a 20-sided dice. You add your modifier, which is a simple number between uh, usually minus one to something like five or six. Um, And then you're going to add that random number that you generated off of a 20-sided dice to it and you're going to tell me what that number is. Mm-hmm. And to start with, they, they, mm-hmm. they lack confidence, and they might have someone next door to them going, oh, well, it's this,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and trying to speed up the game a bit. But after a few sessions, they kind of go, oh, no, I can do that. I can add four to 11, and, and I know it's 15. That's fine. And then just getting that little bit of confidence kind of helps them. It's, it's not replacing a maths tutor. If that's something that you need to do and Mm. and you need to get your child into that, into doing those things, yeah, it's not going to replace a workbook or something that is structured and scaffolded to teach um, reading, but it's going to get them used to seeing those words and feeling confident to speak in front of a group of other peers and say this is this thing or that is that and I think that's a very important thing when they're playing a game they want to play the game so they adapt and they accept okay I've got to do a little bit of reading or I've got to do a little bit of writing and and it just becomes a safe space for them
0: yeah and when you were talking I was thinking actually it's you know, when you think about the stages of education, I, you know, you're, you're not a teacher, but actually, you know, you're it's something almost higher level than that, isn't it? Because when you think about things, you know, when when kids are at school, for instance, you know, it's very didactic teaching, isn't it? You know, the teacher, the teacher teaches and the children listen, um, you know, and then, you know, in some kind of way, they they'll try and consolidate that that learning and that listening But actually what you're doing is much more, or it strikes me, is much more kind of collaborative project-based learning almost, which is actually, you know, those kinds of skills aren't usually actually taught until people are at university.
1: Yeah, and you, can, and you can structure it however you want because it is your personal private thing and you can run it for just your family and have a couple of players. You can have it peer-led. You can have it... Um, inter age mix so when I run games I tend to kind of class within maturity and experience so mm-hmm. I'll have um games for like six to eight year olds and then kind of eight to 11 and then mm-hmm. 11 to 13 and then 13 15 so that's kind of my rough areas but obviously some children are more get on better with older kids yeah or they're at a point where they're kind of like look I'm, I'm fed up with the mucking about and And just sitting here and having to be wrangled, I need to go up to a and uh, to a higher group um and like my games that I run for my middle child, who's seven, mm-hmm. that is a lot more of a storytelling thing, and we do an hour and if I can get an hour out of them, sat around the table, then I'm happy with that, whereas with Dorothy, who's ten, we do two and a half hours. And we have a couple of breaks in between. And I have to gauge things as to kind of like, right, this is all getting a bit kind of slowed down because everyone's getting turns and it's all getting a little bit difficult. Mm. So we'll have more breaks. And then sometimes it'll be like where everyone's into the story and it's a really big story and they're on an adventure and they're only doing a couple of checks every so often. Um, So we'll go all the way through without a break. And then I have my older my like my teens and stuff, and they they would play they would play all day with no breaks <laughs> eat their lunch at the table and would be happy with that if we're all if we're in the zone and we're playing, but then also I can trust them to have a bit of a side conversation and to be a little bit off, but they're also keeping an eye on what's going on and they know what's happening. So we we deliver it in so many different ways. And then that is something that is private to the to the group of people. Mm. And it goes for um all, all players of role-playing games. Um, not all role-playing games are for you.
2: Yeah.
1: And you can so say yourself went out and wanted to play an adult game of Dungeons and Dragons, and you found a venue which is like, oh, yeah, we do we do Adventures League on a Wednesday. Come on down. We've got six tables that are running at the same time. And you go on down and you you join a group and you have one expectation and the rest of the group are like, no, we don't play like that. We play very much like this. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's just you haven't found the group for you and you can't make a square peg fit into a round hole yeah. unless it's fine for that. So like I was saying earlier – as the dungeon master, I make sure everyone is included and everyone is balanced. But when you're doing it for fun, then some groups just don't, some people don't gel in the groups. And that, mm-hmm. that can be something that can be absolutely right. So if someone's starting up their own home ed D&D sessions, just, just think about, whether they would, th- those kids are going to get on. And if they don't, that is fine. Maybe, though, they need to be separated and you have two different types of groups.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned the kind of age demographic that you that you tend to work with these kind of different age groups, the younger kids, the middle kids and the, the teens. Are there any other sort of demographics that kind of that you notice about the kids that you work or work with or that comes through quite strongly are they you know in terms of like even gender based you know what's it tend to be
1: um we so more kind of working with mainstream children so aside from what we do within the home ed community um i don't know if Um, if many of your listeners will be aware of, um, the government scheme for children who have free school meals, Mm. but during the summer Christmas and Easter holidays, the government, uh, hand out a bunch of money to the councils and then the councils choose how they deliver their projects in Plymouth. We have a project called fit and fed. Yes. um yeah
2: i've heard of that.
1: and then that's free school yeah. meal kids and then they also have a little addition to the pot which is for anything else to tick boxes so mm-hmm. within hours our boxes are um EH- ehcps okay. um, uh, looked after children um asylum seekers things like that um and they come to us mm-hmm. so we work work during the holidays with a lot of mainstream kids Wrong. and it tends to be those children because the home ed community kind of will try anything and like okay it's dungeons and dragons mm. we're, we're up for it we go jujitsu first thing and then after that we go and play in the park for an hour and then we come and do dnd mm. and then maybe after that we go and and do lightsaber fighting or something <laughs> and most home ed kids are up for giving everything a try they'll do football they'll come from football to dnd
2: um
1: whereas with the mainstream children we see a lot of anime fans and we see a lot of um of geeks and things like that people who don't tend to have a lot of friends and they they come to us and and they find their people um we also have a lot of we have a lot of teenagers who um, who identify as they, them
2: yeah. or
1: identify as a gender which is not their birth gender. Mm-hmm. Um, that tends to be a very high majority of the kind of teens that we see coming in through from mainstream education but also we get a lot of younger kids in our home ed who are coming in um because it's that lower level um education engagement we don't see as many of the teen kids but that could also be because my kids are very young mm. and the the connections that we made within our local community were to those families mm. and um what Like, I'm sure you can tell uh, so far that if, if you get me onto this subject of d and I will talk your ears off and I'll be very enthusiastic about it. And that kind of comes across and people go, oh, well, we'll try it. And then the kids like it. And then especially with our home ed community, some of the kids do it and they really enjoy it. So they tell their friends and then their friends want to do it. So that is why we've got this thing. And we And with the older teens, that's definitely something that, like once you're 14 15 they can be running their own games so if it's just for the social engagement that you're doing this team thing because maybe some of the teens are going to do their GCSEs or they're doing like a college access thing a couple of days a week or something like that they've got that side of education met and this is just the social Mm
2: -hmm. then you might
1: as well just host your a couple of teens in your living room once a week and then they can run their own games and then they're getting more out of it by being the dungeon master and things whereas when we are running the summer academy we get a lot more kids who are just trying to fill their summer and they're just trying to like that six seven week block that they've got in between school like oh yeah okay i'll come and try D and they come and, and they love it So it's a very strange and different demographic we get between home ed and mainstream. And also we appeal more to, um, we appeal more from the mainstream to children who may have additional needs Mm -hmm. or be on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, And I think maybe with our home ed, we are more in that direction but then maybe the home ed community is more Mm. skewed in that direction. So it's hard to, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Are we getting more kids um, like that because there is a larger sample of those kids within our greater sample of home ed? Or is it because we're, we're attracting those kind of children? And it's yeah. yeah, it's a very interesting. I mean, I did I did um special occasion needs and I myself am dyslexic. I have anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um and if I was tested, I would probably register somewhere on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, but being someone who's now who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, it really wasn't something that was diagnosed at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. We, we different world then.
0: Yeah, and Eleanor, Eleanor and I have this conversation sometimes about the home ed community, sort of generally about you know how um, Eleanor's been home educating for for quite a while, and she would say that when she began, it was very much full of people who um, did this um, as as you did it with your partner as a lifestyle choice. This is the life that we that we choose. But actually now it has shifted towards much more about you know kids whose perhaps their needs aren't being met in mainstream school and so their parents are electing to home educate them which is the, it's the camp that I sit in in, in my family so my, my daughter was in mainstream school and then her needs weren't being met so we we came out of that um so that I think the home ed community is is shifting a little bit um because people are feeling that they're they're being failed by the education system in in some way um but in terms of the mainstream kids what strikes me is that you know you're providing a real place of safety actually and containment for these kids that are struggling a bit and whose lives aren't perhaps how we would wish them to be
1: yeah i know you, you can definitely see when we run these things that we we have kids that that turn up and, and we'll do like the entire summer with us they'll they'll be like yeah no we just want to come and we want to play d d the whole time and they make friends and very very close friends like I said they find their people that maybe are limited in their school in the year because one of the things that that I kind of look at mainstream education and I'm a little bit about is is that whole kind of like your friends are the people who are in a catchment area and born within 12 months of you. Mm. And that's where you'll kind of make your friends. Yes. Whereas once you get into the real world, how many of us have had a job and, and then got an interest? And you've got one guy who's 30 years older than you. And then there's another there's another woman who, who's just in her late teens who's started to enter your friendship group. And you have this wide and, yes. and cacophonic kind of social group which is very different to what you're expected to have in schools and we kind of we 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 give them a taste of that with our 11 to 16 year old groups and you do see these these people making these these lifelong friends and it is over a hobby yeah and and also you can see some of those kids and and you kind of think well I was there that was me um and I know exactly what they would have been doing with their summer if they weren't here is they would be on their computers and and they would spend the entire summer just kind of interacting with with pixels the whole time and I'm so glad that we've been able to to provide this thing and and kind of we have a very we have a very varied staffing group as well when we do these things because so we've got a retired midwife down to or well, not down to but across to um professionals within within care and um and education Mm -hmm. and um and students university students Mm -hmm. who all kind of mix and meld and they kind of there's like one person could be like a bigger brother guiding them where another person is like a, a granny figure and it kind of gives them kind of safety within within the network of what we do when we do these wider groups and it, obviously that's open to private bookings as well. And we get some of our home ed kids come in on that and we do as much as we can.
0: Yeah, it really sounds like you provide such a, a welcoming space that's full of just safety and acceptance and inclusion. It, it sounds really, really brilliant.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as long as long as people are here because they know why they're here. We, we've had some really terrible experiences where we get kids who it is just a, it's just a crash for them.
2: Oh. Um,
1: we haven't had it very often because we deal with 11 to 16 year olds. It tends to be these kids are here because they want to be here. They're the yeah. kind of kids could be left at home while you go to work mm. monday to friday that is not an issue that they, they can look after themselves they can they can do their lunch yeah. and then they're not going to get in trouble
2: yeah
1: um but we have in the past because we've been doing this is our third year we've done the summer now and we do three academies a year um, and we have had the odd experience where we have a child who's come in, who has no interest in Dungeons and Dragons and gaming and the culture whatsoever. Mm. And if they don't want to be here, we find it really hard to reach them. And that's where we struggle. Yes. So there needs to be, we create an inclusive environment, but the children who come, need to embody that inclusivity and be yes. open to everyone because we won't we won't tolerate people being insulted for whatever reason um yeah. that is just one of our our fundamentals is everybody is included
0: yeah and that's really important isn't it yeah absolutely so chris if people want to find you where can they find you
1: so we are character creation role playing you can search for us on facebook there we have a website, charactercreationrpg.co.uk. It's very, very long, and I really need to, to, to tidy that up a bit. Um, and, and then we're on Instagram as well, so you can follow us on there. Um, we would absolutely love to, to offer more sessions and to teach people how to run games and all that kind of stuff, but time is limited. Um I've got three children and we kind of run this business so I can only do as much as I can do and if we can produce the resources to help people get into it, we would absolutely love to. Um, But it's finding the time to do all those kind of things.
0: It sounds like you're doing an absolutely brilliant job already. Um, and Thanks so much for coming to speak to us today. And just a reminder for everybody to um, like our podcast um, on whatever device every whatever channel you kind of listen to it on um, and also like our facebook group which is also called home education matters it's been absolutely brilliant speaking to you today chris and we'll be back with you soon okay take care thank you so much for joining us for today's home education matters podcast see you at the next one have a lovely day